Okay, good morning. Welcome to London Road Baptist Church. My name's Gail and I will be leading the first part of the service today. I will be moving forwards and backwards with ease, seamlessly, to do different bits and bobs. Um, but first of all, let's just quieten ourselves before we start to worship together. Sing 
Please have a seat. Before we do anything else, I'd like us to take a moment to think about those killed, injured, and otherwise affected by the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Let's just be quiet for a moment. Lord, we are heartbroken that people have to suffer in this way. We pray, Lord, for anyone involved, for the people working to free the injured, for the bereaved, for the medics, for those in charge, for those traveling to the area to help. Lord, please be in this situation. In your mercy, hear our prayer. If you would like to donate any money towards um, the appeal, there is obviously the DEC appeal, um, but the um, Baptist Missionary Society are also taking an appeal. Um, Martin, can you put the slide up with the phone giving thing on it? There you go. Um, if you'd like to um, quickly donate or easily donate to BMS, um, you can use the codes given there um, to give what you can. Thank you. So in preparation for this, I was thinking about choices. And in the week, I was going to say coincidentally enough, but we all know it's not a coincidence, um, I taught a lesson on peer pressure to my year fives um, based on who influences you to make your decisions. Lots of answers, obviously, friends, parents, sorry, that did, it was actually that way around, um, YouTubers, someone even said me, which was a little worrying. Um, but as Christians, surely every choice we make should be guided by God. The WWJD movement a few years back, everybody was wearing the little bracelets and everything. And my big decisions always are, do I, do I change jobs? Okay, do we move house? Do we have another baby? Obviously, that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, no one tell Chris I said that. Um, you know, but the day-to-day -day decisions, um, you know, how do I speak um, to the support staff I work with? How do I speak to the children? How do I speak to the man who's just cut me up um, in front of me on the roundabout? Things like that. I don't tend to think about God in those decisions because I... I am very quick to sort of like, eh, people know. But I think it's really important that we think about Jesus and God in every single decision that we make, not just the massive ones. Um, I've been with Chris for 29 years, and I know intuitively what he would do in any situation. I know what he's going to say. Um, if we see something on the telly, I know exactly what ridiculous funny comment he's going to make. I know what he'll probably order in a restaurant. Um, I know what, he, what his view will be about whatever. I know I drive him mad talking about all my problems and things. You, you know them, don't you? You know people. My prayer this morning is for us to know Jesus more intimately so that we intuitively behave as he would want us to. I'm going to read from Ephesians, an LT version. All praise to God, 
the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. I just want us to dwell on that. I'll read the other half in a little in a minute. I just want us to dwell on that while the um, the offering is taken. Thank you. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised a long time ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Let's do that now.
worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. 
a short poem you can sit or have a breather and sit down then we'll continue worshiping the sea doesn't worry it just goes in and out it doesn't stress and it doesn't doubt the sky turns dark at the end of each day confident that morning will be on its way the stars you created move across the earth their pattern unchanged since the time of their birth. So why do we, your perfect creation, stumble and fall with worry, hesitation? Why can't we be as certain as nature that all will be well for today and the future? You carry us through each season of life, through times when the pain cuts through like a knife, 
through times when we think we are settled, content, through times when we wonder where happiness went. We don't understand, but perhaps that's the way for us to trust you to hear what you say. Let us find peace in uncertainty, calmness in fear, strength in the losses of those we held dear. Let us trust like the waves, the stars and the sky, and to follow your lead without finding the why, so that whenever we meet you in that glorious place, when we get to bow down in front of your face, we can say that we followed wherever you led. And though some paths were tempting, we took yours instead.
I'm just going to read the reading. Um, and then Elise is going to come and pray for Ray before he preaches. The reading today comes from Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. And this is from the um, ESV. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Dear God, um, I don't know about everyone else, but I really felt the Holy Spirit moving through this room today. I pray that the same happens for, um, for Ray as he does his um, talk today. I pray that it moves uh, I pray that it moves the room and that he and that he gets his message across the way God wants him to. Amen. I nearly had to, oh, that's very loud. I nearly asked, is it me? Is it my turn? There we go. Uh, bear with me one minute. I brought my Bible along. There's not much room now. Pencils. It's interesting that a little while back I started telling jokes before the service. And uh, I really did it just to relax me, to get me into the feel of things, and also to help you get used to my voice. But now the congregation are sending me jokes. So here goes. A girl was visiting her blonde friend, could be any colour, hair, doesn't have to be blonde, don't have a go at me, but you know what blonde means, all right? I often think, I've often said, let alone thought it, Liz, you ought to be blonde. And she said, I was once. Do you remember that far back? Yeah, good, good. Is she all right? Thank you. Yeah, remember Liz in your prayer. It's a long healing process, remember. Where was I? Oh, with this blonde girl, wasn't I? Right. So she was visiting her blonde friend who had required two new dogs. And the lady said to her, what are their names? 
And the blonde responded, saying that one was called Rolex and the other was called Timex. Her friend said, who ever heard of someone naming dogs like that? Hello, answered the blonde. They're watchdogs. <laughs> Not mine, it was sent in. And if you want to know the names of who sent them, you know, I can do that. One of the joys of memory tiring is you have a choice. We spoke about choices this morning. You have a choice. You can have a leisurely shave or you don't have to bother to shave at all. Well, this man retired and he thought, I have enough money. I'm going to go down to the road to the barbers and have a shave every day. He told his wife what he was going to do. And next morning, <coughs> he put on his hat and coat and pondered off down to the barbers. Now, the barbers was owned, take note of this, by a part-time Baptist minister and his wife. So he sat in the chair and waited. And the barber's wife approached. Hi, my name's Grace. How can we help you today? I would like a shave, please. Grace shaved the man and sprayed him with some nice aftershave. I was going to put toilet water, but I changed it to aftershave, all right? Grace said, 25 pounds, please. He thought, that's pricey. The next morning, the man looked in the mirror. Not a whisker in sight. Two weeks passed. Still not a sign of growth. So he popped into the shop and said to Grace, I thought it was very expensive, but I haven't had to shave for two weeks. The expression on her face never changed. She was expecting this comment. She replied, here we go, you were shaved by Grace, and once shaved, always shaved. <laughs> they came from you. There we go. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father God, as we come to look at your word, we pray that the eyes of our hearts will be opened, that we may behold wonderful things from your word this morning. And I pray, Lord, for the meditation of my heart and the words that you have given me will be acceptable in your sight now. Amen. It's nice to have a leash pray for somebody. Excellent. Get the young people up and get them used to uh, coming and doing things. So this week I was listening to a lady from Eritrea in East Africa. She is a gospel singer arrested for her faith, imprisoned in a shipping container, sweltering hot <clears throat> in the day and below freezing in the night. The only time they were let out was to be tortured and told to stop singing. There were other believers in the container with her. One was a pastor who had snuggled a Bible into the container inside a box of Omo washing powder. 
another lady cut up the Bible into small sections so they could easily hide them. They spent the day reading, praying, and allowing God to speak into their situation. The gospel singer had a few new songs from what she was ringing, reading, and she couldn't stop singing. The pastor who brought the Bible in died at the hand of his torturers. I was privileged to be able to print the first Romanian Bible. The man standing at the end of my printing machine was a true Romany from Eastern Europe. He was an evangelist and was working with Wycliffe Bible translators to produce a Bible in his own language. I pulled the handle and the first pages started to print. I took a sheet out and handed it to him. <coughs> Tears of joy ran down his cheeks and he did a little dance. The first time he had seen <coughs> the Bible in his own language. Two weeks later he was back collecting all the finished Bibles, desperate to get them back and give them to his people. Six months later he was found murdered. Some of you know of Brother Andrew, a Dutch Christian missionary who smuggled Bibles into Eastern Europe during the Cold War. One day at the border, he was stopped. His car was full of Bibles. They opened up the boot, boxes of Bibles in front of them. Yet they did not see them. God moved a little bit like Balaam on his donkey. Balaam could not see, but the donkey could. The guard shut the boot and Brother Andrew went on his way. No sad ending here. He went on to be the founder of Open Doors. And I think if I threw this out to you, many of you will come back with names of people with similar stories. Terry Waite, Corrie Ten Boom, and so on. The word of God to all of these people is so precious. That pastor took the Bible into that container. container. Everybody in the container read the little they had. Every minute they could see it. My Roman if man had a desire for his people to have the Bible. Brother Andrew had the desire to get as many Bibles into communist countries and their motivation was from cover to cover you will learn about God from cover to cover you will find Jesus from cover to cover you will find God's salvation plan Romans 1 16 says for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes it is also the primary place that God will speak to you if you allow him to do that and you allow yourself to listen. So my question is today is, how important is the Bible to you? How precious is it to you? Queen Elizabeth, the queen that's just passed away, after her coronation, Oath, she was presented with a Bible with the words, 
our gracious queen to keep your majesty ever mindful of the rule of christian princes we present this book the most valuable thing that this world affords and as we know she treasured it and she read it and she lived by what was in the pages Danny last week made a comment. He said, if you have a Bible, it would be good if you could follow the text. Then he said, or open your phone and follow it on there. Gone are the days when people used to walk to church holding the Bible under their arms, and it was a witness. And you would see people. This morning, there's a man who walks to the uh, Catholic church and I say good morning to him whenever I, I leave early to play the guitar. And he's always got his Bible with him. It's a great witness, isn't it? We've lost that. You've got your phone in your pocket, and that's it now. I would urge you to buy a Bible if you haven't already got one. And read it, because when reading it, you can mark it, you can write in it, you can just treasure it. And I know Bill um, has recommended to the small group he's got that they buy a Bible. And we're encouraging new Christians to buy an NLT Bible because it's written in today's English. And it doesn't vary too far from the original text. But he said, buy a journaling Bible because it's got wide margins and you can write, you can draw, you can put notes. And if God speaks to you, you can highlight that. So it's good to have a Bible. I like to, I was talking to Jim beforehand, a Bible fits in your hand, doesn't it? You sort of get used to that and it's lovely to have. And so I do all my readings at home with my Bible. I don't use uh, the phone, though the app is on there. Convenient if I'm stuck waiting for Janet to get her hair cut and I can easily uh, open my phone and read the Bible, just so it helps. And I don't know how many Bibles I've had in my time, how many versions. I've gone back to the ESV because that's my preferred one. But I think at some point I've had about six or seven Bibles on the shelf. And I think of these poor people in Romania, in, in Romany, the gypsies in Romany, have never had a Bible until 20 years ago, nearly 25 years ago. As we run various courses in the church, one question always comes up. How is your quiet time? How is your walk with God? Call it what you want. But it's that time you sit down and you spend time reading your Bible, praying and listening to God. We find that people come back with these answers. That they do not have the time to do it, or they get stuck, after Exodus and give up reading it. Is that your experience? Or is this your experience? 
I'm going to read a paragraph from a book by John Mark Comer, um, and it's from a book, God Has a Name. The same guy who wrote The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry that Esther shared with us. So this is his story. Last week, an atheist came up to me and asked how I could believe in a God who made parents eat their children. Naturally, I was a little confused. A lot of people have odd ideas about God, but cannibalism, that was new. I was speaking at an event and the theme of the weekend was the Bible. In all its weirdness and mystery and drama and truth and lies and violence and non-violence and sarcastic donkeys and dying messiahs and whatever the world is up to with this story. The event was supposed to be for pastors and church leaders but a number of atheists crashed the party. It turns out a lot of people have issues with the Bible. Even more of us have issues with God. So this guy Micah comes up to me with this quote from Leviticus. Why is always Leviticus? He had accidentally torn a line out of context and misread it. It happens. We had a nice chat about how God isn't actually a cannibal and then I had to go up on the stage and teach. But it struck me later that Micah, the atheist, and myself, the pastor, were both talking about God. But the two of us had radically different ideas about who God is. For me, God is the creator of all that is good, beautiful and true, the God I read about in the scriptures and then seeing Jesus of Nazareth. For Micah, God is a sadistic monster who made ancient Hebrews eat their young. Same Bible, very different view of God. And you sit there and you think, what is all this about? Some things are confusing. I am fortunate to be blessed that from the age of five, my mum and dad wanted to get rid of me on a Sunday afternoon. So they sent me to a Sunday school or a Bible class. And so from the age of five, and in other organisations that I've been in, the Cub Scouts, I was fortunate that our leader, our Kayla, was a Christian. And at the end of every pack evening, he gave a little talk about Christ. I was fortunate at school that the deputy headmaster was a Christian. And we had assembly every day. And he used the Bible, only the Bible, to teach us. In my days, I didn't even know that there was a Muslim religion or a Hindu religion or anything else. It was the Bible and God was in control. And so I've been very privileged to be associated with this book since the age of five, nearly 65 years on, I can say I've read it a few times. There have been times when I have struggled reading it. And I can go without reading the Bible for about two weeks, but I really miss it. 
and I long to get back to it. The Holy Bible, a collection of sacred writings, a book like no other book written by over 40 different people across 1,500 years of history. Every page in the Bible is directly from God. All scripture is breathed out by God. You'll find that in 2 Timothy. And this makes this book supernatural. And it should be read supernaturally, knowing this is God's spoken precious word. That's the reason it's called the Holy Bible. It still outsells all other books around the world. They've had to take it off the bestsellers list because it's embarrassing, because it's always number one. It outsells the Koran. It outsells every other sacred writing. And we, if you know Christ, you started a journey. And you started on the journey to follow him. And God's intent for each one of us is to be Christ-like. So he put his Holy Spirit in each one of us to open the eyes of our hearts. And as we read his holy word, we'll see the wonderful things that are in it. Gail read them verses from Psalm 1. So we're going to have a look at it. If you have a Bible, you might like to look at the text. But if you have a phone, you might like to look at that as well. Just if you feel led to do that. It's only three verses. It might even come up on the screen. There we go. Look, even as I speak, the man is in control. Hope you notice we've changed the fonts and colours to help with people who have trouble with the old font and colours. So, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers. Blessed means happy. So, happy is the man who doesn't listen to the advice of those who have no regard for God. I gave my life to Jesus at that camp in Cornwall, a little place called Poles Eft. And on the Saturday, we travelled home. And my mum had arranged with uh, another lad who was on the camp for his dad to pick us up because his dad had a taxi. So my brother, myself, my mum, the taxi driver's son were in the back. <coughs> and mum said... How did you get on? And I said, oh, I've become a Christian. Immediately, the taxi driver said, you don't believe in that rubbish, do you? And there we are. He didn't take long to sit in the seat of scoffers. And it could well be a bit like that atheist Micah. Hey, your God says we have to eat your children. And I expect each one of us who has followed Jesus has had somebody scoff at us in the workplace, in the school, 
neighbours. I told that story the other week of the neighbour that kept on mocking the old lady when she went to church. It still happens. We still get that. When we choose to follow Jesus, it may be wise not to be in the company of those who put you down and mock your faith. Even in the times of the psalmist, people did not follow God's laws. It is good to talk and share with fellow believers, to share testimonies about how God has been with you this week. I wonder if I, as we take up the offering, I said, turn round and tell the people around you how good God has been to you this week. I would like to think I couldn't shut you up. I would like to think the sermon and the rest of the service would be scrapped. I would like to think there'll be a cue for the microphone for you to share how good God has been. Do you want that to happen? And read your Bibles. It's as easy as that. But wouldn't that be great? Hey, how has God been good to you this week? We've been praying for a grandson to get a job. He started Friday night. That's great. That's good, isn't it? God has answered prayer. It's wonderful. We rejoice. We praise. God has done so much in our lives. We should be desperate to share it. That Roman gypsy was desperate to share the gospel to all his family. Brother Andrew was desperate to get those Bibles in. It's a precious word, and we should store it up. Don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Talk to one another about Jesus. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. This happy man is excited by God's Lord and we can read that this happy man is excited by reading the Holy Bible. John 15, verses 7 to 8. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We need to immerse ourselves in God's word. We need to spend time in it. How much time will depend on each of us? How much we read will depend on how much you can cope with. It's no good reading massive chunks and then can't take it all in. Read what you can when you can. I heard somebody quote a famous preacher the other day and he said to him, oh, what scriptures are you reading at the moment? And he couldn't remember. And he said to him, but I can't remember what I had for breakfast 
the other day. But what I do know is they both nourished me. That's the thing. The Bible will nourish you. If we are to be disciples of Christ, we need to abide in his word and his words will abide in you. There is a negative side to that. If you don't abide in his word, then he won't abide in you. And you won't bear fruit. And on his law, he meditated day and night. That scary word, meditate, how easily we think we don't want none of that. I doubt if the psalmist even knew about Eastern religion. Meditate on God's word that you have just read. Fill your mind with God's word. Meditate is simply to ponder. If you remember back at the Christmas story, Mary pondered all these things in her heart. If they put the word meditate in there, I wonder what difference that would have made to this story. We need to store the word away. I always get that picture to mull on it. And I always think of a cow chewing the cud. And we need to chew over the word of God. We need to absorb it like the cow does. Push it around your mind. You know, wait for all the juices of the word to come out. Ask the question, what is God saying to me? How can I apply the scriptures to my life? And it's during this time you may well hear Jesus. John 1 starts, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh. Jesus is God's living word. He longs to talk to us. Jesus is the good shepherd and we are his sheep. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. And when he has brought them out, all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. By reading and meditating on God's... You may well hear God's voice. Chances are you will. For me, I've heard the voice of Christ through reading the scriptures, through wise words of other believers, and in visions. This has only happened because I have spent time in his word. You may have heard of us talk about Lectio Divina, an ancient, powerful way to read and pray God's word into your life. There are four components to reading God's word. The first two we have covered. Number one, Lectio, read. Second, meditate. The third one is to pray to pray before we read the word, to pray while we're reading the word and pray after we've read it. And the fourth one is contemplation. And it's a very 
easy thing to do. And you let your imagination come into play. Imagine you're in the scene. Imagine you're in the middle of the text you're reading. And all your senses become alive. Smell the place they're in. Sense and see what is going on. And hear what's happening. You'll be surprised how much more you will get out of the text. And if we had enough people willing, and there was a goodly number, we're quite willing to run the Lectio course to help you get deeper into the Bible. Lastly, verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The psalmist paints a wonderful picture. Those who delight in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night will be like a tree planted by a stream. A tree planted by a stream has the right supply of water. Its roots go down deep and then they go even deeper. So the trunk grows stronger. It goes stronger and it bears fruits. Its leaves do not wither. And we've seen in the summer trees losing their leaves too early because they haven't had any water. It is a constant supply of food. So like the follower of Christ, be immersed in God's word. And by being immersed in God's word, we are fed. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I've quoted this before. When you read the word, you should read it as if looking for treasure. Dig deeper into God's word and your roots will go deeper and you will go stronger in Christ and you will bear fruit because you will not be able to contain yourself from what God has done or said to you this week. The psalmist writes in the 119th Psalm, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. By reading God's word and listening to his voice and obeying and doing his will, his word will lighten the path he wants you to take. Then you will prosper in the way God is leading you. Jesus came to restore and build the relationship between God and man, that relationship that Adam had with God in the garden before the fall, a relationship that both parties listen and talk to one another. The children of Israel have a prayer called the Shema. You will find it in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today 
shall be on your heart. It's very easy to take out the word Israel and replace it with LRBC. Here, O LRBC. Or take out the LRBC and put your own name in there. Here, I'm not going to say O Raymond, but here Raymond, here. We need to read the Bible and listen to God. Abide in my word and I will abide in you. Amen. Before we finish in worship, let's just pray. <clears throat> God, you have gifted us your word, your perfect, revelatory word. Help us never to take this book for granted. Help us to be open to the guidance it brings through your, the working of your Holy Spirit. To be nourished and satisfied by it to feast on it so that it will fill us. God, you breathed your word and your love into the Bible. Help us to breathe your word in so we can exhale your love. Amen. Please stand.
this week I pray that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit in everything you do. That you will be filled with the love of God so much that it pours out to everyone that you meet. That God's light shines from you, illuminating you, protecting you from all that is sent to worry, stress and upset you. We pray, Lord, for our church, ourselves, our nation, and the world. And we await your coming, Lord Jesus. Amen.